hope that he'll, he'll have a better need than he got rid of, I tell you. So be much in prayer for him and Sister Debbie and all these others. We have many others to be much in prayer for. And uh, just uh, pray for the service next this Lord's Day. That we've got, got everything kind of lined out the way we can go ahead and continue on. And, and uh, I made the mention, you know, we're not taking Brother John's place. We'll never take his place. We'll just fill in for him while he's gone. And, uh, and so we'll keep it going. I was uh, talking to a man there yesterday and, and uh, talking about the fact, you know, that uh, all the churches wouldn't have what we have if somebody stepped right in, you know, with it. And asked him what we was going to do. I said, we ain't got no problem. We just, we got people who just go right on. And when, he, when he's able to be back with us, we'll just proceed right on, Lord will. So let's just get into the service. What we do, let's do have prayer and ask God to bless us tonight and, and uh, just bless we go on and, and bless those who are in need. So Brother Stephen, have that prayer for us, please. Heavenly Father, thank you for the blessing today. Thank you for keeping safe and watching over us, Lord. Thank you for allowing us to be back in your house tonight. And Ask the prayer, Lord, for the, for the service tonight. Brother Jeremy is bringing your word. I pray that it be a blessing to us over here, Lord, and, and uh, glorify your name. We pray for those who are away from us. Uh, pray for Brother John, especially, that you uh, give him a speedy recovery. Move him all he needs. And those who are sick, Lord, uh, grant him health and recovery, whatever the need be, Lord. And be where your will to grant them. Bless those who are away from us for whatever reason. Bring them back this way. For those who are lost, save them for your grace. And we do have a card up here now to sign before we leave tonight for Brother John. You get that to him.
Greg Magnus, and Greg Brotherjohn, Tiny Harlow, Richard Stevens, Charles West, Johnny Smith, Bob Stevens, the cancer list, we have Bert Hamilton, Darrell Fetters, Vernon Connolly, Zach Rankin, Jordan Padunovac, Shelly Stevens, Danny Clark, Deborah Jones, Marie Brumfield, Serena Smith, Carol Tytrell, Mike Nelson, James Pinson, Patty Smith, Ron Fred, Malcolm Bobby Brenner, Sophia Davis, Seth Patrick, Casey Gillum, Karen Gillum. We pray for our missionaries, lost and wayward nation leaders. Pray for our police force around our country, also the elderly, church ministries. Pray for our pastor, teachers and students, the nation of Israel and Ukraine. In the military, we have Bailey Walker, Camp Stewart, Nick Guido. Actually, we can't take Nick off from there officially because he is now officially out of the military. Zach Rath, Way Coffee, Andrew Hall, Kendrick Pope, Tucker Pazunovac, Prentice Stevens, and Mitch Gibbons. Any other additions or requests? Remember the Don Belt family. Oh, that's right. Yes, the Don Belt family, yes. Also, uh, they said George Smith failed and hurt herself pretty good. Okay. Smith and Black wife, I think she's in the hospital with an aneurysm in front of Oh, wow. So, you know, I'll be thankful for me. A person's able to get up and out and again, you know, the crazy virus and everything raging through schools and homes, you know, it's really hard to keep people well. And, you know, it really is kind of a weird thing, you know, you get there. My dad said, gain a few, lose a few. It's like that school, too. You know, the kids you haven't seen in two weeks, they show up, and a couple more kids disappear. I'm telling you what, it's really something else. So let's be in prayer for families if you don't have to go through this as well, but uh, it is a lot of stress. But Brother Donnie, if you will, lead us in prayer. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you once again for another day of life that you give us for a beautiful day. Another opportunity that we can come and worship you tonight. Lord, we pray, Father, for the many that's on our prayer list. Lord, we know that you know each and every person's needs. Lord, we lift each and every one of them up to you. Lord, we pray, Father, for you, Brother John. And we pray, Father, that he will. Uh, <laughs> well, Father, and you will be back with us soon. Lord, we pray, Father, that you be with each and every one who fills in for him. Lord, we pray, Father, that you put the strength in them and guide them. Lord, we pray that you'll be with the families around God us with lost loved ones. Comfort them. And Lord, we pray, Father, for our missionaries. Lord, we pray, Father, that you watch over them and just keep them safe and guide them in their work for you. Lord, we pray, Father, that you'll go with us with our service tonight, with Brother Jeremy, just him, him, got him in the words to say. Lord, we pray, Father, that you'll be with our servicemen and women, law enforcement, and Lord, we pray, Father, that you'll just support us, Lord, each and every time that we get from here, that we may be a light in the lost souls. Lord, we pray, Father, that you will, or help us to cease to give you praise for all that you've done for us. We thank you, Father, for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Kids, come to the book. Number 55. 55. Sing the wondrous love of 
skies But when traveling days are over Not a shadow, not a sign When we all get to heaven What a day of dancing that will be When we all see Jesus We'll sing and shout the victory Let us then be true and faithful Trusting, serving every day Just one glimpse of Him in glory Will the toils of life repay
Amen to Jesus for the cleansing power. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusted in His gracious hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are you garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? There's a side of garments that are stained with sin, and they washed in the blood of the Lamb. There's a fountain flowing full of soul and green all be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Are you washed, are you washed in the blood, in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are you garlic spotless, are you white as snow, all be washed in the blood of the Lamb? In the highways, in hedges, in the highways, in hedges, in the highways, in hedges, I'll be somewhere working for my Lord. I'll be somewhere working, I'll be somewhere working, I'll be somewhere working for my Lord. I'll be somewhere working, I'll be somewhere working, I'll be somewhere working for my Lord. When He calls me, I'll answer. When He calls me, I'll answer. When He calls me, I'll answer. I'll be somewhere working for my Lord. Good evening, church family. As, uh, as Brother Jim said there at the beginning, it's it's never the case that we're replacing uh, Brother Brother John or anything like that. It's it's always just a, a, a try and fill the shoes. You know, it's it's always an honor to, to be able to stand here and uh, present the Word of God, and I, I appreciate uh, the, the opportunity to do so. If you've got your Bibles with you, I'd like for you to turn to. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Second Corinthians chapter 11. We'll start by reading the, the first four verses. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 1 through 4 says... Would to God ye could bear with me in, in my folly, and indeed bear with me, for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, 
whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit which ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this evening so thankful for another opportunity to open up your word. And Lord, as we do, we, we remember Brother John and we pray that Lord, you just uh, you'd allow him to, to fill your presence even tonight. Lord, that you would uh, grant him a, a speedy recovery. Lord, that you would be with Sister Debbie. Lord, as she supports and cares for him. Lord, we just pray that you'd uh, give them all that they stand in need of. And Lord, we pray for each one here in this house tonight. Lord, that you would give us the ears to hear. Lord, that you would open up our words that, Lord, we may feel a, a pricking of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray for the lost amongst us. Lord, that maybe tonight be the night that they receive, receive, receive conviction, Lord, and, and come to know you before it's eternally too late. And Lord, we do love you. We give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory. We say this all in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So, Sunday after church, Sunday evening, I went home and, like many, I turned on the TV and began to watch commercials. And uh, I heard a couple people after that, she's fine, uh, talking about this commercial that came on and they were so impressed that Jesus had a commercial in the Super Bowl. And in that commercial, it was that there, there was two of them, I suppose, and it said that God gets us. And in these commercials, it, it portrayed all sorts of different lifestyles and cultures and sin. Let's just, let's just call it what it is. But these people that were talking, they, they, were, they were so encouraged. Jesus had ads in the Super Bowl. I, I'm so glad that we're, we're, we're keeping Jesus in, in our focus. And you know, that really got me to thinking. Because in these commercials, it, it, the first one said Jesus gets us, and, and the second one was, well, was to love our neighbor. And, and once again, it portrayed all these, these different societal people and different lifestyles. And just encouraged us, Jesus gets them, just love them. Forget about the rest. And you know, I, I agree that, of course, God does get us, 100%. I won't argue with that. And, and I agree that you know, Jesus himself taught that, that we're to love our neighbors ourselves. Those are true facts. But we ought not look at these people, look at ourselves, look within our churches, and say, well, God gets them. I'm just going to love them. As Christians, what our community, what our world needs, is Christians who will lovingly step forward and, and call sin, sin. Just as Christ did. What our, our family members and, and our friends need is someone who will step forth and say, can I show you what Jesus says about this matter? See, the devil was in the details of those commercials. Telling people that, that, that Jesus gets us. And for so many... That seemed great. That seemed encouraging. It seemed harmless. But what it really was, was simply a camouflage tool of Satan. 
Yeah, and so as I thought on this matter, I, I came across this passage of Scripture. And, and, and here we see Paul. Yeah, and one, he continues on in his letter to the church of Corinth. And, and we know that, that the church of Corinth has had their issues. But we see Paul and, and he's highly concerned. It says that he's jealous with a godly jealousy due to their inability of, due to the inability of some within the church to recognize those who are coming bearing false teachings. He's so concerned. Notice he didn't write this and said, guys, God gets it. I love you. You'll figure it out. No, he confronts them. He, he brings it to their attention. And he does so troubled. I felt so guilty after hearing that conversation that I didn't step forth and explain to it why it wasn't a great commercial. I felt so guilty after staying in silence in, in, in that. Paul, he's not afraid to do this. He's not afraid to confront this issue. He's rather afraid that, that they're going to entertain and be carried away, carried astray by false teachings. He wasn't afraid of the situation. He was afraid for the people. He was afraid where it would lead them. He was afraid that they were going to listen to a different gospel of a different Christ in the leading of a, of a different spirit. And, and we've got to open up our eyes and realize that any adulterated gospel is not a gospel of Jesus Christ. So he presents this concern to them using the imagery of, of a bride engaged to Mary and how they must remain pure until that union. He points to the fact that, that a lack of discernment was the vessel in which Satan used to bring sin into the entire creation. So he's looking at the church of Corinth and saying, I've espoused you in a marriage with Christ. And I know there's so many opportunities, that there's so many offerings, so many things that, that, that can pull you away, but you must remain pure. Not just for a day or two, but until that marriage supper. Until we are reunited with Jesus Christ, our one and only Savior. And so although this letter was written to, to, to the church of Corinth almost 2,000 years ago, I thought, how relevant is this letter to us still today? I believe this is a letter that that needs to be brought to, to, to all of our churches, to all of the churches throughout America today, to, to realize, look, we need to wake up. We can't just accept a watered-down gospel. Well, we can't accept anything but the Word of God. See, because this is an issue that was brought forth not out of condemnation, not out of hate, but we see Paul bring this forth because he loved the people. And I believe that if, if we're going to deal with the situations of this world, it's so easy to get upset. It's so easy to begin to point fingers. It's so, so, so easy to, to just beat them down. But that's not what Paul done. He come to them because he loved them. And, and that's where our desire to, to help ought to come from. If, 
It needs to come from, from a heart that, that, that's been praying on the matter. I get myself in so much trouble act, acting quickly rather than stepping back and praying about it and keeping my mouth shut for a little bit. Paul wrote this letter and he done so with love. Because we see that as Paul depicts this picture of a bride engaged, he inserts himself into the picture as the father who set his daughter aside for the groom. He presents the issue as, as more than just an authoritarian. I, look, I, I planted this church in the authority of Christ and you guys are going wrong. That's not how he, how he painted this picture. But you guys, I've set, I've set you aside. I've set you on the path where one day you will marry Christ Jesus. Well, you will be the bride of Christ. But you're, you're going in, in a dangerous direction. And as the, the, the father, I, I want to protect my daughter. I want to make sure she, who she's being with, who she's seeing, isn't one that's going to carry her in a direction that she ought not go. That's the mind that, that Paul had in this manner. There are so many false teachers, so many idols, so, so many things that are coming at the church of Corinth. He says, guys, we, you, you've got to wake up. You've got to, to keep your mind on Christ. Paul demonstrates here that he's a great love for God's church. And that's where our course of action must begin as well. We've got to realize how important the church is to God. We've got to come after these issues with a love for God's church and a desire to, to protect it. As I was studying this, I, I thought about the, the, the trail of blood and how these men refused to adulterate the Word of God. So much so that they willfully died. You think of the apostles and, and all but one were brutally murdered. And John was exiled to the island of Patmos where he suffered. These men weren't ones to say, well, it's okay. You believe what you believe and I'll believe what I believe. They stood for the Word of God. And that's where our church needs to be today. Not willing to back down. Willing to be one that, that, that's condemned. Willing to be one not to fit into the crowd. But to say, this is a matter that I love. And under no circumstance will I back down. When we're met with this temptation to, to, to just accept it. Everybody's doing it. Look at all the other churches and, and, and what, why, why are you guys so traditional, so stuck in, in, in times past? Just, just accept it and move on. Just soften a little bit. Modernize it. Maybe you guys would, would see some growth. Well, I doubt it. Because God's not going to bless our sin. When we're met with that temptation... We've got to remember what's written in Ephesians chapter 5. <clears throat> in Ephesians chapter 5, it says in verse 25 through 27, Husbands, 
love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having a spot or a wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. We ought to love the church and realize that Christ gave his life for the church. And we ought to strive to keep it spotless. We ought to strive to, to keep it without a wrinkle or without a blemish. We ought to realize that Jesus Christ left the unfathomable glories of heaven and walked on this sinful earth, dealing with every temptation, every struggle that each and every one of us do for the church. For his, for his own, for his flock. So that's why we can't soften. That's why we can't stand back and accept it and just say, well, God gets them. God does get them. And that's why we're here. That's why the church is here because God gets them. And he realizes that this world needs the gospel, the unadulterated gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. To accept or to entertain an adulterated gospel is to disregard the eternal price that was paid by our Savior. Lord, I know that you paid a price that I can never fathom. God, we, we, we might get a, a different crowd if we, if we soften a little bit. People may not see us as old and traditional. Would we rather have a different crowd and not be seen as old traditional, but to be seen as, as, as sinful in the eyes of our God? Would we rather be seen as accepting and, 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 and modern if it, if it comes at the price of Christ, looking at this church as not useful anymore? We must consider what the church is. To our Lord and Savior. Peter put it like this in 1 Peter 1.18. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from, from your vain conversations received by traditions from your Father, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. What we have is such an honor, such a privilege, it's such a blessing. And to sit back and, and accept anything less than, than, than the Word of God is to spit on that sacrifice. It's something that we must take so very serious to hold true to that which, which has been paid for. So since Christ done such a work for His church, we must hold a, a deep desire to love it if Christ loved this church so much, and I, and I say this church as His church, not just the Emmanuel Missionary Baptist Church, but, but, but every true gospel preaching church. He loved it so much that we need to too. We need to pour everything we have into it. And I'm not talking about the building, I'm talking about the, the body of Christ. Well, when we see a brother, when we see a sister that's, that, that's beginning to, to, to grow weak, we must do exactly what Paul done there in 2 Corinthians and reach out and say, I'm, I, I'm worried about you. 
I understand that, that there's so much pressure, that there's so many temptations. But brother, we've got to stay pure. We've got to stay on the right track. And I'm not here because I, I want to pump myself up because I've got it all together. I, I'm here because you're my brother and I love you. You're my sister and I love you. And, and I want to see us thrive in, in the Word of God together. I want to see us grow together. I want to see uh, us be able to reach out together to, to each and every one of our families, to our neighbors and to our friends. But we can't do that if you're wavering in your faith. It says that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. We know that if, if, a salt, if the salt has lost its savor, it's no good and it ought to be thrown out. We must be careful. That we keep ourselves pure and that we keep a watchful eye for one another out of love. Paul goes on in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 22 through 28, and he shares with the church of Corinth. And he says, Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant. In stripes above measure. In prisons more frequent. In deaths oft. Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes. Save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck, and a night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, perils by the heathens, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, perils among false brethren, in weariness, painfulness, watchings often, in hunger and thirst, and fasting often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the church. He says, look, I've been through all sorts of stuff. You name it and I've dealt with it. But the thing that bothers me the most, the thing that comes upon me and tortures me daily, is my care for the church. How are my brother and sister doing? How can I help them be stronger, more pure, more pleasing to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul had a great love for the church. And that's something that we can look at Paul and, and realize that he's a man just like you and I. And if Paul can endure all these things for the church, I tell you, we're just as much capable as Paul. Paul wasn't divine. Paul wasn't God in the flesh. Paul struggled, but he was willing to do so because of his care for the church and his love for Christ. And church, that's where we need to be as well. And, and so we see that if, if, if I'm going to love my neighbor, if I'm going to love my church, if I'm going to love my church family, then I must not ignore it. The, the, the sin that, 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 that tries to enter in. I, I must not accept it or entertain the, the false teachings but rather be willing to call it out in love. <clears throat> Say, no, that's not right. I love you. Let me show you why. 
We must have a willingness to, to, to teach one another. I'm not saying we need to, to, to browbeat anybody. I, I, we can't change one another's minds. But we can, out of love, ask, hey, can we just sit down and, and go through Scripture together? But let me show you why we believe what we believe. You know, I believe that's a, a lost art within the Christian church. To really be able to explain why is it that you believe that it's by grace alone through faith alone? Why is it that you believe that you don't have to be baptized in order to receive salvation? Why is it that you, you, you believe what you believe? How is it that we're ever going to be able to write these letters to, to help one another if we ourselves don't understand the why within our faith? It's something that must, must be there. And we must be burdened. Burdened down with the understanding that so many Christians are really missing out on the joy of salvation. We've got to realize that, that I'm not confronting you. I'm not bringing forth an issue because I'm anybody. But I realize that, that there's joy in the fact that my salvation is eternal. There, there's joy in, in, in the peace of the Holy Spirit, that there's so many benefits of Christ, and and if we don't fully understand it, we can live in fear. We we can live in in misery. We can live in the torment of sin, and out of love, I want to make your walk more enjoyable. I want to help us get 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 through it. So many Christians are missing out on on so much, living absent. Uh, of a blessed hope. Therefore, we, like Paul, must deliver direction. Right? We, we, we've got to love the church, but love the Lord, and allow that to, to bring us to a point where we're willing and able to deliver some direction. Now, let's look at an example of that in 1 Thessalonians. It says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, a very familiar passage of Scripture, starting on verse 16. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 starts by saying, Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. And everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the Spirit. Despise not prophesying. Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. And abstain from all appearances of evil. It says, In the very God of peace, sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's talk, talking to the, to the church of Thessalonica and he's giving them very specific instructions, very specific directions how to be pleasing to our Lord Jesus Christ. He realizes that, that there's so many things that pull them aside day by day. But if you can follow this list, these simple directions... It will allow you to enjoy the joy of our Lord. But notice here, he's, he's concerned for, for the same reasons as the church of Corinth with the uh, church of Thessalonica, as he says in, in verse, uh, starting on verse 20, despise not prophesying. What, what is prophesying? It's simply revealing the Word of God. Right? You look through all the Old Testament, that's what Daniel done. He, he revealed the, the Word of God. That, that's what Ezekiel, that, that's what Isaiah, that's all what they've done. They revealed the Word of God. 
Every time that we open up our, our, our Bible, every time that we listen to a sermon, every time that we listen to a Sunday school lesson, that's exactly what's happening. You're revealing the Word of God. So he says, despise not prophesying. Despise not the time that we gather to open up God's Word, to hear what God has to say. Take that time and, and, and cherish it. Cling to it. Hunger for it, right? That's what Jesus said. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's where the church needs to be. We've got to look forward to these opportunities that we get to listen to, to, to men of, of, of wise, like, like that stand here in these pulpits and stand here at these podiums and stand in these classrooms and, and divulge the, the Word of God. These are men and women who have studied and have gained understanding, and we need not despise it. We need to look forward to the opportunities to get in here and, and to really try and get, get a grasp and understanding of God's Word. And then he says... Prove all things. You know, just because it's said in a sermon doesn't make it right. Just because it's said in a Sunday school lesson doesn't make it right. It's our responsibility to prove it. Are the things that are being said behind our podiums, do they line up with the Word of God? That's our responsibility. So many people, when asked, why is it that you believe in this doctrine? Say, well, that's what I was always taught. Well, that's great. I'm glad you were, you were taught that. But how do, we, how do you know that that's right? I don't know. Well, then what if I tell you that this is right? And then we're so easily carried away by the ways of this world. I can tell you that, that, that this was right, that this was right. It wasn't many years ago that I stood in pulpits and preached things that were incorrect according to Scripture simply because of that error. I, I didn't take the time to search it out. It's so easy to just say that's what I was always taught. I can, be, I can even show you Scriptures as, that, that, that support that. But you know, in this day and age... You can get on the internet and Google anything and find somebody who agrees with it and build some sort of argument. But if we don't take it to the Word of God and, and truly search it out, why is it that you believe what you do? Can you prove it? Then we're setting ourselves up for an error. We're setting ourselves up with, with, with the inability to help one another. We must be able to prove all things. The direction that's being given is to listen to the Word of God intently, to focus on it while it's being delivered, and then take that which is being said and put it to the test. We know that God cannot lie, and we know that God doesn't change, therefore we know that God's Word is not going to contradict itself. So if this is never changing, it's never wrong, then this should be our standard for everything that we believe. Right, I'm a man and I'm going to get things wrong. I've said things that are wrong. And I've done so from the pulpit. That's why we can't trust man. But we must trust God's Word. We must determine if, if what's being taught lines up with the truth of Scriptures. For if we don't, we're in great danger. If you remember in 2 Corinthians 11, Paul's concerned that, that they're going to be carried away into sin just as Eve was in Genesis chapter 3. 
It didn't take much, did it? That serpent called out and said, You won't die. Surely you won't die. And that lack of discernment, that lack to step back and, and recall, well, what is it really that God said? That lack to go back and consult her husband. What really was it that said? Led to sin entering into this world. So Paul delivered a very similar direction to the church in Ephesus. Turn back to, to Ephesians chapter 5 with me. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 through 11. It said, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the world. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord and having no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. You see, so it's not only the fact that we need to step back and, and, and digest that which, which is being taught. We need to prove it. And we need to have no fellowship with it. We need to allow no room for it to fester. No room for it to grow. Prove what's acceptable unto the Lord and have no fellowship with the darkness. We're, we're, we're to search out God's Word. Then begin to, to prove it out. This is what is taught and this is why it's taught and this is why I believe it and all this other stuff. I have no room for it. I don't want no part of it. Zero tolerance for it. I wonder if that's not some of the issues that our culture deals with is because there's so much, we're so tolerant. Look around, just here in this community, the denominational variances. Just because some people are tolerant, it's not that big of a deal. I disagree. Anytime that we begin to entertain something that's unbiblical, it's a big deal. It's a big deal that leads us into a place that we have no, no business being in. Turn with me to the book of Proverbs in chapter 4. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 5 through 8, it says, Get wisdom. Get understanding, forget it not, and neither decline from the words of thy mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. We need to be a people who are hungry for wisdom. It says, decline not from the words of thy mouth. Decline not from the word of God. When we have an opportunity to read, when we have an opportunity to, to, to listen to a, a, a biblical sermon, when we have an opportunity to sit underneath the teaching of biblical men, 
We need to incline our ears and search out for wisdom. For without that wisdom, how will we be useful? How will we be able to, like Paul, give that direction? Because in our current society, there's so many false teachers. Turn on our radios to, to Christian stations and listen to the, what the songs are proclaiming. Look what's so easily accessible on TV and on the internet as far as preaching. There are so many falsehoods within our society that stir up emotions, get people to feeling good. Look, look around at how many families are, are going from place to place Searching for what feels right. They're simply, just as Scripture says, that they're people with itching ears. Church, we need to sit back and really begin to pray. Develop a true love for these people. And pray that the Lord opens up some doors that we may have the opportunity to give some direction. To help these individuals. We need to wake up and, and see all that's going on. And how this world needs Christians. Who will rise up out of the love for Jesus Christ and his church. And, and deliver some sound doctrines. On the issues of discernment. You see that was the issue with, with all these churches. You need to sharpen your, your, your swords a little bit. You need to open your eyes and realize the, the, the dangers and the falsehoods. We need to realize, that just as James said, that, that, that our, adversary, our adversary, he prowls around like, like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. It's not changed. It's not changed. So we've got to be sober-minded. Sober-minded that, that we ourselves can, can, can see that grass begin to move. And sober-minded that we can see that the, 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 the shadows begin to lurk upon you. On our brothers and sisters and our family and our friends and our co-workers. And say, look, you're, you're, you're going down a dark path. You're going down the wrong way. And I love you. And I don't want to see it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Lastly, we've got to understand the consequences of the lack of discernment. Last, last passage of Scripture. In Matthew chapter 16, we see Jesus confront some Pharisees and Sadducees. Matthew chapter 16, verse 1 through 4. It says, The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came, and tempting desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. And he said unto them, When it's evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be foul weather, for the sky is red and, and, and lowering. Oh, ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky, but can ye not discern the signs of the times? A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall be no sign given unto them but the sign of the prophet of Jonas. And he left them and departed. Here we see religious leaders, people who were leading the so-called church at the time, People who were experts in, in, in the Old Testament and in biblical law. And here they stand face to face with the very Messiah. 
the prophesied one, looking for a sign. And he looks at him and says, you can look at the sky and discern what the weather's going to be. You're meteorologists, you're weathermen. You think you've got it all figured out. But yet, look around at the signs of the times and you can't see that I am the very Messiah. You, you require uh, some sort of miraculous work, some sort of miraculous sign for me to prove who I am. It says that he departed from them. He showed them nothing. That's where we ought to realize we can't sit back and say they're going to believe what they're going to believe. They're going to do what they want to do. Don't get me wrong, I understand that we, we, have, we, we don't have the power to change anybody's minds. That's not what I'm saying. That's only by the power of the Holy Spirit. But we're placed here for a reason, church. We know that the Great Commission tells us to, to go ye therefore. To teach. So therefore, when we're given the opportunity, we must realize that there's a great need. A great need within our own selves. A need to make sure that we're pure. Make sure that we're right. Make sure that we have understanding. And look for those opportunities to share that. I don't believe that, that God gives us understanding so that we can just sit back and, and be high and mighty have a wealth of knowledge, but, but be able to do so to, to, to help one another. These Pharisees and Sadducees, they were so close. You know, it's likely that they believed in the God of creation. More than likely, they believed in, in seven 24-hour days. It's likely that they believed in, in, in the law of Moses. It's likely that they believed that there was a coming Messiah coming. Likely that they believed that it was only through that coming Messiah that they would ever see salvation. But they lacked discernment. They failed to see that this very one who stood before him had already fulfilled so many prophecies just in his virgin birth. Why? Because they were caught up in the, in, in, in the times, caught up in, in, in that culture. Caught up in, in, in the wants and needs of the people. So much so, the Messiah departed from them and they didn't even know. So much so that they cried out, crucify him. So much so that they nailed him to a cross and mocked him as he bled. So much so that after he died for our sins and rose on the third day, that they made up lies and said they've moved the body. All because they lacked discernment. So as I close, we started this evening in 2 Corinthians looking at Paul's plea for the people to be careful. And that's my plea for you as well tonight. Please be careful. Please be careful what you allow yourself to feed on. Careful what you allow our families to feed on. Be careful not to miss an opportunity. An opportunity to reach out and, 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 and love somebody. Love them by, by not accepting their sin and brushing it off as nothing, but, but really delivering some direction. 
Because you understand that there's severe consequences. Consequences that can easily be avoided. You know, we're all going to stand in front of Christ one day. And I dread the day that it's brought to our attention. How many times did you allow one of mine to stumble because you were too scared? Because you were too uncomfortable? Because you didn't love them enough? Church, this is real. There's so many issues of discernment out there that, that we really need to wake up and see. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you this evening, and Lord, I'm so thankful for your word. So thankful for your son, Jesus Christ, Lord, for, <clears throat> for the sacrifice that was made for us. Lord, for this church, for your church. Lord, so thankful for, for men of old who were so strong in the faith. So much so that they're willing to die for it. Lord, I pray that you strengthen us, Lord, that, that, that we could be just a, an example to our family, an example to our communities, and, and to our co-workers, those around us. Lord, I pray that you, you, you place a deep burden on our hearts. Lord, that we never grow callous to, to, the, to the sin around us. Lord, I pray that maybe tonight, Lord, that you've, you've, you've convicted a heart to, to make them realize the love that you have for them. Lord, but the hatred that you have for sin. Lord, we just pray that you continue to work on those hearts. Lord, we do love you and we give you all the praise, all the honor and the glory. Say it's all in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.